you are there. If I make my bed and shield, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I, if I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you.
Let's pray. Praise be to you, God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, according to your mercy, you have made us alive again to a living hope through the resurrection of your Son, Jesus. Lord, we are grateful that, that nothing can defile or tarnish or make untrue this hope that we hold and share together in faith. And so, God, may this good news that fill us this morning, that our, that our faces would be lifted, that our doubts would be filled with faith, that all of our, our trouble would find rest in your sheltering presence. Lord, our hearts, uh, they, they sing, they agree with David's words this morning, that the Lord is my light and my salvation. The Lord is the stronghold uh, of whom shall I fear. Lord, those of us here this morning that hear these words in shadow, that, that feel the ache and the pull of temptation, of the turn of the heart towards things that seem like life and goodness, but are empty and full of grief. Lord, meet us all with your, your radiant and revealing words of life. Father, grant us strength and courage to move towards your light, to, to repent, to, to travel the difficult paths of reconciliation, to love our neighbors, and even to love our enemies. And so, Father, we ask that, that by your spirit that you would uh, make yourself known to us this morning. Meet all of us and show us the grace of Jesus and change us by it. We pray in his name. Amen. Well, children are now dismissed for children's worship. Well, we turn now to our time of confession and assurance, a time where we acknowledge with God our sin and our need of him. We'll do this together as a church and then have a time of personal quiet confession. This is what God told his people. I am the Lord your God who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it shall, you, shall not do any work. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Almighty God, your word affirms that we are made for more than work. You call us to rest from our labors, and you've given us true rest in Christ. Yet we often live as we don't have time to rest or think about you. Our days are filled with our list, worries, and heavy burdens. Help us to rest in your love and provision.
Take a moment of personal quiet confession. Father, we are thankful that in Christ we have a good shepherd, one who will leave the 99 to, to save the one lost, and more than this, uh, who lays down his life for his sheep. We give thanks in the name of Christ. Amen. We'll stand together to hear the words of assurance that come to us from Romans chapter 10. Let's join together. Jesus Christ is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Well, as we've been welcomed into God's family, let's take a moment to welcome one another in the name of Christ.
please be seated. Reading from the scriptures, Paul the Apostle, his letter to the church in Rome, chapter four. What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he is something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now, to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is a man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. Is this blessing then only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? For we say that in faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it counted to him? Was it before or after he had been circumcised? It was not after, but before he was circumcised. He received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised, so that righteousness would be counted to them as well, and to make him the father of the circumcised who are not merely circumcised, but also who walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. For the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. The Gospel according to Mark, chapter 10. And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, let the children come to me, do not hinder them, for such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall never enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands upon them. This is the word of God. Thank you, Mark, for reading from the scripture. Uh, it's good to be able to worship with you and look at God's word together. Um, we're gonna continue our, our fall sermon series. Uh, the, the series is called Known and Loved, and we're reflecting on this uh, really profound promise that, that God tells us that we are known. And not only are we known, but that God loves us and that this is a fundamental part of the experience of God's love for us in Christ. And so reflecting on this, we've been uh, spending the, the last few weeks looking at Genesis and, and talking about maybe what we call the human story, and then considering how God's story is different. And so if we think about the human story, some of the things that we have kind of seen so far is that uh, God made Adam and Eve, these first humans, and they were made to be known, to be seen, to be in connection with God, with themselves, with others, with creation. And that early relationship was described that they were naked and unashamed. Naked and unashamed. That they experienced what it was to be seen, received, and helped. A place of trust. But if we move from Genesis 2 to Genesis 3, we see that uh, our first parents sought life apart from God. They sought on their own to decide what was right and what was good. And that brought a break, a separation. And they went from being naked and unashamed to naked and hiding. Naked and hiding. 
And really, we see that the human story begins to take shape, that human story in light of shame, in light of guilt. We exchange the hope of being known, the hope of being loved and welcomed, the, the hope of even being forgiven uh, for an ongoing management of appearance, of hiding and covering. Last week, we looked at Genesis 4 and the first siblings of the scriptures, Cain and Abel, and we saw how their parents passed on their shame and separation to them. And today, uh, we're going to look at kind of a final time at Genesis, and we're going to look at two other brothers, Jacob and Esau. And we'll see how the human story is expressed in them as they fight each other. They fight each other for their father's blessing. So let's look at our passage from Genesis 27. If you notice in your order, it's, it's, it's longer than normal. It's a good story, so you can just kind of enjoy following in your order your Bible, or just listen as we read this story from Genesis 27. Now, when Isaac was old and his eyes were dim, so he could not see, he called Esau his older son and said to him, My son, and he answered, Here I am. He said, Behold, I am old. I do not know the day of my death. Now then, take your weapons, your quiver, and your bow, and go out to the field and hunt game for me, and prepare for me delicious food, such as I love, and bring it to me so that I may eat, that my soul may bless you before I die. Now Rebecca, that's Isaac's wife, was listening when Isaac spoke to his son Esau. So when Esau went to the field to hunt for game and bring it, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, I heard your father speak to your brother Esau. Bring me game and prepare for me delicious food that I may eat it and bless you before, the Lord, before I die. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice as I command you. Go to the flock and bring me two good young goats so that I may prepare from them delicious food for your father such as he loves. And you shall bring it to your father to eat so that he may bless you before he dies. But Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, Behold, my brother Esau is a hairy man, and I am a smooth man. Perhaps my father will feel me, and I shall seem to be mocking him and bring a curse upon myself, not a blessing. His mother said to him, Let your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice and go. Bring them to me. So Jacob went and took them and brought them to his mother, and his mother prepared delicious food, such as his father loved. Then Rebekah took the best garments of Esau, her older son, which were with her in the house, and put them on Jacob, her younger son. And the skins of the young goats she put on his hands and on the smooth part of his neck. And she put the delicious food and the bread which she had prepared into the hands of her son Jacob. So he went in to his father and said, My father. And he said, Here I am. Who are you, my son? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau. Your firstborn, I have done it as you told me. Now sit up and eat of my game, that your soul may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, How is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? Jacob answered, Because the Lord your God granted me success. Then Isaac said to Jacob, Please come near that I may feel you, my son, to know whether you are really my son Esau or not. So Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, who felt his hem and said, The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him, because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him. He said, Are you really my son Esau? He answered, I am. Then he said, Bring it near to me, that I may eat of my son's game and bless you. So he brought it near to him, and he ate, and he brought him wine, and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, Come near and kiss me, my son. So he came near and kissed him, and Isaac smelled the smell of his garments and blessed him and said, See, the smell of my son is as the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you of the dew of heaven and of the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you, and blessed be everyone who blesses you. At the end of the chapter, now Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing which, with which his father had blessed him. 
And Esau said to himself, the days of mourning for my father are approaching. Then I'll kill my brother Jacob. This is God's word given for our good. Well, our story invites us to think about the, the human experience. And I want to ask two questions this morning as we look at our passage. The first question is, what is blessing? And the second one is, how do we get it? What is blessing? And then how do we get it? So let's start with asking, what is blessing? Why is it so significant? Uh, commenting about this passage, there's, there's a scholar named Walter Ruggeman who says this. This story tells us that nobody wants to live a life that is unblessed. Nobody wants a life without the special words and gestures that bind that life to a precious past and a promised future. Everyone wants to be blessed. And we see that in these four members of the family that are in our passage, Isaac and Rebecca, and their sons Esau and Jacob. So we can ask, what, what is it? What is this blessing? And, and maybe as a way to start, we can think about in number six, this is one of the famous blessings of the Bible. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance, his, his facial expression upon you and give you peace. To bless, whether it's divine or whether it's a human blessing, is to bestow favor and good to another. It is to seek and to desire their provision, their protection, their deliverance, their well-being, their, their healing and life. But at the heart of this kind of divine blessing or even just blessings between human, at the heart is love. It is relationship, connection. And we see that in God's promise and blessing to Israel. There's much language about provision and about the land, but at the heart of it is this language over and over again. You are my special ones. I am your God and you are my people. In scripture's kind of full vision of blessing, that the end of the scripture, what is blessing? It is God dwelling with his people face to face. And in Genesis, we not only see these divine blessings, but we see what we could call a family blessing. This was a formal and public blessing given to the children of the family. And it gives us a chance to think about, blessing is a chance for us to think about the life-changing power of words. The life-changing power of words. In 2021, there was a study that was published. It was all about the experience of awe, of feeling wonder. The study says that experiencing awe can have a, a wide range of benefits for us physically and emotionally. And the study says, though, there's a part that says, when we hear awe, we tend to think of something vast, maybe something like the Grand Canyon. But when we ask participants to track experiences of awe in a daily diary, we found to our surprise that people felt awe a bit more than two times a week. Two times a week they felt some kind of wonder. And they were not all flying to the Grand Canyon on a weekly basis. And the study goes on that they discovered that awe is often about people. I don't know if that's, if that's surprising to you. It's surprising to me. I often think about like creation and nature. The study found that it's often connected to people, encountering somebody who has great skill or talent, a surprising kindness, a friend's generosity to you in a time of difficulty, or maybe a song that you hear take, that takes you back to a special moment with somebody. Awe is often about people. And I want us to think for a moment about the wonder and the significance of words. Words of love or affirmation. Words of honor spoken to us by someone who matters to us. Blessing reminds us of the power of spoken words. This is a theme of Genesis that it's by words that God creates us and the world forms connection. 
and it's by words that the deceiver lies and brings separation to what was formed. And spoken words shape human life, and they have capacity to shape our futures. And so when we think about that experience, whether we've experienced it or when we long to experience, that we begin to grasp what blessing is. We see such power in the ancient practice of a family blessing, which was often the transition of the family from the father to the eldest son to carry on the family's economic or social or religious heritage. You see, Isaac's blessing that we just read in our passage speaks what about, speaks about harvest, success, and enjoying the earth's richness of provision. The imagery is of a banquet that you may have a life in which you have an abundance and have vast security in your relationships. So we ask, what is a blessing? And it, it is an expression through words, expression of delight, of someone speaking to you, or your God speaking to you, of delight and honor, provision and commitment. I see you. We're together and connected, and I seek your good. And so if this is what blessing is, the, the second question that I want us to ask and spend our time on is how do we, how do we get it? Might be a strange question. How do we get this blessing that we, maybe without really knowing the terminology, that we all want or all want to experience? And we can look at the movement of our story, right? Isaac and Rebecca, Esau and Jacob, these four are locked into a, a dispute there's much, you know, there's other chapters in the Bible that you can read about them if you're interested in doing so. But in this family quarrel, we see something about the human story that I think all of us can probably relate to. That there's this unexpected connection between the power of blessing and the practice of deception. There's an unexpected connection between the power of blessing and the practice of deception. Rebecca's plan, implemented by Jacob, disrupts the conventional practice of the firstborn receiving the blessing and inheritance, and a blessing is gotten by deception. And so our passage is asking us, it's making us wonder, is it possible to receive this blessing, these words that we long for, is it possible to receive them without some type of deception? without some type of manipulation. We opened with Father Isaac preparing to bless his older son Esau, and Esau is the long-awaited son of Abraham and Sarah. Isaac is the son of promise. Now he has grown old, Isaac has lost his sight, and he seeks to put his house in order, meaning for him that he'll bless Esau and set him as the family leader. It's not maybe familiar to us, but in that context, it was a normal story. But there is a strangeness to how it's unfolding. The common practice was to offer a, a public blessing that the whole family could experience. But Isaac seeks to offer a private blessing to Esau. In this small detail, we see that there is a deep brokenness, a profound brokenness in this family. And what it seems to be is that Esau has been receiving his father's favor his whole life. He is his father's favorite. The reference to the quiver and to the bow symbolizes strength, and Isaac favors this way. He favors this type of son. It's even noticed in the way Isaac talks about food. Did you know <laughs> he really loves the delicious food? Our passage drives home. But this reference to this stew or to this delicious food is another way in which he favors Esau. He is the one that goes and hunts and brings it to me. But you see, when Esau and Jacob were born, the Lord pronounced that the older, Esau, would serve the younger, Jacob. But Isaac, the father, is not having it. He's going to bless Esau. 
Now Rebecca overhears her husband's plan and she decides to intervene. And we have to say, if we followed along in what I just read, that this plan is uh, absurd, really, right? I mean, it sounds, it's crazy, right? You're gonna, you know, gonna, there's a lot of things going on here that don't make so much sense, right? There's different voices, there's different skin and smell, there's even different meat. Like, you know, they're gonna get some young goats instead of some hunted game. It's a strange plan that doesn't seem likely to succeed. Even Jacob's like, I don't, I don't know if this is a good idea. But for all of its strangeness and questions about its success, we don't want to miss the main point. We don't want to miss the main point. Jacob's only hope to get the blessing is to dress up. to play a part. The only chance that he can have to hear the words that he desires from his father is to be someone else. Is it possible to receive the longed for blessing without playing a part? This is this passage in this strange way brings forth this question that's part of the human story and I, I imagine in some way is part of our story as well. If I'm gonna get the blessing, if, I want, if I'm gonna receive the words or the honor or the loving connection I so, long, so much desire, then will I have to dress up and hide? Can I let people really see who I am? Well, Jacob, the, the one who is the clever one, engages the plan. He takes, even with his reservations, he does what his mom asks him to do. But right away, we notice that Isaac is suspicious. And in this suspicion, he offers kind of a series of tests, right? The first one about timing. How did you do this so quickly? How did you hunt and prepare and cook a meal for me so quickly? The Lord has granted me success. There's a sensory test. Come near that I may touch you, that I may smell you. And then ultimately, he asks directly, right? He asks him directly, are you really my son Esau? And Jacob answers, I am. He plays the part. He lies. He does the work through goat skins and his brother's clothing. And in the midst of this strangeness, I, I, I just want us to acknowledge, can, you, can we feel the profound sadness of this scene? The, the ache along with the, the humor and the strangers, there is an ache, right? Jacob finally hears the words he longs to hear from his father, but he knows they are not really for him. He can only receive them in a ridiculous disguise. Our passage goes on, I didn't include it in the text, in the order of worship, but after the blessing, Jacob leaves the scene and suddenly Esau bursts in. And Esau, the older brother, has done everything asked, but Isaac, his father, asks him, who are you? Who are you? And it's a grim, it's a grim story, it's a sad story. The ways of this family are being seen. Maybe things that had been hidden or kind of indirectly acknowledged are suddenly now unmasked. Jacob is a liar and a cheater. Esau is desperate, bitter, and murderous. Esau can't believe what has happened, and anger and hate will drive him for the rest of his life in many ways. And as the story closes, Isaac the father is described as trembling with an exceedingly great trembling. His body is shaking. In an instant, everything is clear to him. His whole beautiful plan and dream of a peaceful and proper close to his life has been shattered, and old Isaac finally sees. Given Esau's rage, Rebekah sends Jacob away to his, his uncle, and Jacob becomes an exile. He flees and never sees his mother alive again. A family shattered and separated. How do we get blessing? How do we get blessing? 
Well, the world's logic, the world's logic tells us if you're good, you'll receive good. If you work hard, you will be rewarded. If you live right, you'll be treated right. And such mechanics, if we buy into such mechanics around blessing, then we will sadly be left to wonder, is it really possible to receive a blessing without playing a part, without some part of disguise? And what we need to hear this day and be reminded of is that God's story is different. That God's family is different from the human story. And this is good news. God's blessing is utterly unlike the world's. It's not based on good living. It's not based or rooted in personal performance. The blessings of God, the one I read in Numbers and the one we see throughout scriptures are a gift, utterly and fully a gift, given out of love, given out of grace, given that we are to receive with open hands. We can think for a moment about Jacob, the deceiver, Right, that's the role that he plays in the story. And we have to remember though that God's covenant promise works in and through Jacob, even in spite of his deception, that Jacob is the one who will receive from God the name Israel. And it'll be Jacob's 12 sons that become the 12 tribes of Israel, that it's through Jacob and these tribes that the promise to Abraham will go forth into the world. You see, there's a scandal to God's story that the ones others would reject as unqualified, unworthy, are the very ones God delights in seeing and inviting to his blessing. And this runs from Genesis through all scripture to Jesus and those that Jesus gathered around him, that grace, God's blessing, his words of love and of rescue and of life, are for the unworthy. Grace goes to the unworthy. And it's true of Jacob, and it's true of every member who finds themselves in the family of God. The poet Christian Wyman, when writing about faith and his experience of God's love, he he writes this, after walking and walking through the desert, I imagine myself, I encounter a flower. And it was as if I happened upon some rare flower deep in the desert and had known, though I was just discovering this flower, I had known that it had been blooming impossibly year after parched year. And in that flower, Wyman's trying to picture, trying to describe this idea that God's love for me was planted and survived all the seasons of my unbelief, all my seasons of hiding or foolishness. The flower continued, even continued in the conditions of the wilderness. And that's part of what what faith is, is all of a sudden realizing that God's love is present, that God has sought you in Christ, and that that love has been there and is ongoing even in the midst of us not knowing about it or turning away from it. It was only when Jacob realized, this is later in Jacob's story, only when he realized the truth of God and his grace, only when he encountered a flower like that, that he called God my God. You see, all his life before that, he always referred to God as the God of my fathers. And the way that I take that is it's just one more relationship that he had to manage. One more thing that he had to engage with the disguise. Only in grace did Jacob realize that God saw him and loved him. He no longer had to say, see my goat skins, or see, smell my clothing, or here's my offering. I deserve this blessing. He could set down such curse. This is the good news of the family of God. We see it in Jacob, but we ultimately see it in Christ, our elder brother, the elder brother who served the younger, 
who formed a family by giving his blessing, his inheritance, setting it aside and giving it to you and me. That is the way that his family is different. And it's because of that we have this wonderful idea that God sees us and he profounds great blessing upon us, speaking us as his very children. These are the good news of God. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for who you are. And we thank you, Lord, for your grace to us. We pray, Lord, that you meet us here and speak to us in our longings and our aches and our disguises, that you would speak us words of life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Will you please stand with us and we'll sing together.
Almighty God, your faithfulness to us knows no boundaries. Grant us eyes to see your patience and your love for us as we join with your people on earth and all the company of heaven in the unending hymn. Having heard God's word, we're now invited to come to the table that God sets for his people. In the opening of Ephesians, God's word tells us that before the foundation of the world, before time, that God foresaw to adopt us as his children, to adopt us as his children through the reconciling work of Christ. This table speaks to that promise. The one who made you, the one who formed you, is also the one who promises to remake you in Christ, to claim you again as a child that belongs to his family. So I, I hope that we can see that this table, this family meal, that this bread and this cup are blessings from God to affirm unto us that he is the one who not only has formed us, but will provide for us who has started a new work in our life and will see it through. And the, the blessing and the promise that there's nothing in life nor death that can separate us from our union with him. See, our place at the family meal is by the, our elder brother's broken body and shed blood. Therefore, our place is secure. It cannot be changed. It is set by God for us. This is the good news in Christ. If that is who you are, if you, if you know of your need, if you're seeking life elsewhere, but have come and put your hope in Christ, the blessing that God has in Christ for you, then come to this table, eat and drink, be nourished by God. If you're not yet a follower of Christ, then let this table be a witness, an invitation to come to encounter God, not just that, that God over there, but your God, the one who has made you, the one who sees you and loves you. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this table. We thank you for the promise that you bring us into your family by Christ's blood and his body that we have a place secure. We thank you for your love that has been poured out for us and we pray that we would receive it by faith and that it would give us rest. It would orient us in new ways to live our lives, to see one another and our neighbors, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. On the night that he was betrayed, Jesus took the bread and broke it, saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Same way after supper, Jesus took the cup, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. For as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. If you're Receiving communion today, I invite you to come down the center aisle and receive the, the bread and the cup here, and then you can go back on the sides. I asked if, if you're able that you would hold the elements until everyone's been served, that we can eat and drink as one family. If you're not receiving communion, um, we're glad that you're here, and we still invite you to come down the center aisle. Just put your arm across your chest, and we can, Pastor Brian or I can offer a prayer of blessing for you here at the table. Those who are serving can come forward. Let us receive these gifts that God gives uh, to his people.
Christ's body was broken to make us whole. Let us eat in faith. Christ's blood was shed to cover all of our sins. Let us drink in faith. In response to this table, let us stand together as God's people that we can pray and sing together. Lord Jesus Christ, we hold fast to your promise. If the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. We rejoice in your sure forgiveness and steadfast love. With thankfulness, let us proclaim the mystery of faith. join together in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thy is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. You may be seated. We're going to continue worshiping through the giving of our offering to God. And so I'm going to invite the, the greeters are going to come forward. There's a, a gray basket you can put your communion cup in and then a silver offering plate if you'd like to, to give a gift. You, you'll see in your order. Also, if you'd like to give online, you can do that as well. Um, but welcome again, especially if you are uh, visiting with us or haven't joined us for a while. Glad that you're here. Um, and we there is... Um, Black, black, uh, pad of, uh, black information pad underneath the, <laughs> the chair in the center aisle. If you, uh, if you, you know, pick that up and pass it down, that'd be great to know who's worshiping here today. You can see who else is worshiping with you. Um, also just a note and reminder that we have a coffee and bagels after the service. Uh, they're gonna be right outside. If you got the doors behind you, uh, right before the playground, you can grab a coffee and bagels. So hopefully you can stay after, a chance to spend time with each other and enjoy the grounds of the school. Uh, one last just uh, reminder is that uh, we are offering a, a Christian education class uh, the first four Sundays of October. So the first one was today, but there's three more to come from 9 to 10. It's called Savoring Scripture, looking at kind of how to study the Bible and, and be more familiar with it. Adonai is leading that. And, and next week, the author, Andy Abernathy, will be here uh, to lead the class as well. So that's the next three weeks. And there's a children's class and a nursery that's on the same time from 9 to 10 here at Waters. So I hope you can join us if your schedule allows. Let's continue giving our gifts uh, and offering to God. Join us for the doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above the heavenly host.
receive God's blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you his peace now and forever. Amen. You go in peace.